Welcome to the November 5th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily podcast, where we cover the biggest stories of Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency every single day. This is your host, Space Marine, starting with the market analysis. Bitcoin is currently still around $6,400, with a market cap of $111 billion. Overall, the cryptocurrency market cap has been rising because Ripple has rallied like 14%, probably just in time for the Ripple Foundation and Ripple Labs to dump a bunch of Ripple into the market. That's one problem with Ripple, most of it's held by the company that made Ripple, and it gets dumped every month on a regular schedule according to a smart contract. So even though it's going up, I'd be worried about investing in that. Other cryptocurrencies seem to be generally rising. So it's a decent day on the market. It's, the market cap's almost up to $215 billion. It's gaining some steam. And yeah, now for our only story of the day. And the reason we're only doing one story today is because first off, the news is kind of slow. Second off, it's about the Bitcoin white paper. And the Bitcoin white paper deserves its own show. The Bitcoin white paper started the whole crypto space. So Satoshi Nakamoto wrote the Bitcoin white paper in 2008 and published it on Halloween, October 31st, 2008. And it basically contains the manifesto that changed the world forever to create the crypto space. And I wrote an article on Bitcoin news that has not been published yet because it's so long. You actually feel bad for my editor having to read the whole thing, it's over 2,000 words, but anyone that actually does read it's gonna love it. So basically it's like breaking down the Bitcoin white paper into normal, human words. I mean, I'm not saying Satoshi wasn't great at writing, he was. But yeah, it just explains the concepts, breaks it down, because I am a teacher. I used to teach at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I could teach stuff like this. So, the Bitcoin white paper's premise starts with that financial institution acts as third parties to process payments, like banks, Western Union, and they they collect all of your information, and also the system's inherently weak because they're a point of failure. So the financial institution that actually facilitates the payment is a major point of failure. And Satoshi wasn't even mentioning how like they use fiat currency, which is totally inflating badly worldwide. Due to the Great Recession of 2008, like trillions of dollars were used to bail out the banks and corporations that caused the recession in the first place, and that's still going on to this day. It's kind of crazy. So... Satoshi mentioned it in the Genesis block. He said, like, Chancellor bails out banks again in, like, the Genesis blocks. Like, almost that line. I don't have it right in front of me, but... Yeah, he mentioned the Great Recession and how the fiat currency system was getting wrecked in the Genesis block. And so what Satoshi's proposing is a new electronic payment system that operates on cryptographic proof instead of trust. So basically, you don't need a third party. And it would allow for peer-to-peer immutable payments... And another reason he did this is because uh, besides fiat currency inflating and financial institutions being a source of failure, and he mentions this point I'm about to talk about in the white paper, he says, well, it's all reversible. Yeah, like banks, even maybe Western Union, like Western Union is less reversible, but it still is. PayPal especially is reversible. So we have these online payment methods, like PayPal dominates the online payment method space probably still, unfortunately, and it's very, very reversible, and that causes the fees for the whole system to be much higher. So, like, micropayments just aren't possible, really, with online fiat payments because there's such a risk of reverse reversing a payment that there's the fees are higher than, like, a micropayment. So, there have been electronic payment systems proposed before Bitcoin, like Hash Cash and B-Money, which is actually what Satoshi used to build Bitcoin. 
But what Bitcoin does is it solves the double spending problem. And this is a fatal flaw for electronic currencies that do not use third parties. Like basically electronic currencies had to make their own third party central organization thing in order to have a working currency. And Satoshi basically created Bitcoin to have computational proof of the chronological order of transactions and to have nodes securing this. And it's based on how many people are honest versus like attackers. If most of the network's honest, Bitcoin is always going to be immutable and perfect. And that's how it's been since it launched. It has not been overtaken by a 51% attack. And we're going to talk way more about that. So Satoshi defines an electronic coin as a digital chain of signatures. And these electronic coins are transferred by signing a hash of the previous transaction with the private key, including the public key of the next owner and adding this data to the end of the electronic coin. That's just a very simple definition of a cryptocurrency. And keep in mind here, like this paper created cryptocurrency. Like there, there's over 2000 now, but there was none before this paper. And so then the new owner, once they receive an electronic coin, they verified the signature to authenticate ownership. The next part of the Bitcoin white paper is called timestamp server. And this is the beginning of the solution for the double spin problem. So basically there's a timestamp server and it takes the hash of a block of items and broadcasts it to all the nodes. And this proves that the data existed at the time it was broadcasted. And then each timestamp includes the previous timestamp and its hash to form a chain where each additional timestamp reinforces the timestamps before it. And this is the smallest section of the Bitcoin white paper, but it is where the entire concept of blockchain, the definition of blockchain originates from. Just to show the genius of Satoshi Nakamoto, like he wrote like this really small section, I think it's less than 100 words, and he created the definition for blockchain and the idea for it. And then proof of work's the next section, and we all, well maybe not all of us, I'm just going to say what proof of work is. So proof of work is when blocks, like transactions are hashed into blocks, and the blocks are added to the blockchain, and then people get paid for that. So that's the next section of this white paper, Bitcoin came out with proof of work. That, and uh, actually proof of work came from something before. It was from Hashcash, which was developed by Adam Bag. So I shouldn't say Bitcoin created it. Uh, Adam Bag created proof of work with Hashcash. But it wasn't applied to a currency system that prevented the double spending problem. And so Satoshi mentions how he's going to use SHA-256. I think that's called SHA-256. That's what all the really expert coders say. They say SHA, not SHA. I've always said SHA. I guess that's my problem. So... POW functions by scanning for a value that returns zero bits at the beginning of a hash, and the work to find the hash becomes exponentially more difficult the more zero bits that are required at the beginning of the hash. And remember, bits are binary zero and one, and that's like the basis of machine code. And this is where the idea of mining difficulty for Bitcoin stems from. Like, let's say there's a lot of mining power, like there is, and it's constantly increasing, then eventually Bitcoin's block time would go from it's supposed to be 10 minutes but if there was no difficulty adjustment it would go down to like one second like i think that's the minimum allowed so they increased the difficulty on the network satoshi coded that in so the blocks stay around 10 minutes but on average the blocks are like nine and a half minutes or something long term because the difficulty only adjusts like once every two weeks once every 2016 blocks and basically the concept here is it like someone could try to redo the block and do what they want with it i guess and get the block reward, but they would have to do all the work for the block, and then by the time they redo all the work for the block, another miner would find the next block, and then they had to redo the work for that block. So this makes it like pretty much impossible to start for someone to like take a block that's already been broadcasted and done to like redo it, and also the timestamp server wouldn't allow for that. And he Satoshi describes how proof of work is a decentralized way of voting, where one unit of computer processing power equals one vote. And the longest blockchain is equivalent to the majority vote. So we got the timestamp server combined with the proof of work. 
And this is creating a way to prevent the double spend problem, basically, because, like, no one could spend Bitcoins twice. Once it's, like, time-stamped and proof-of-worked and secured into a block, it's unspendable. You can't, like, respend the Bitcoin that's already been spent. And then the Bitcoin network works. That's the next part of this paper. The network, it works by broadcasting new transactions to all the nodes. And then the nodes collect the new transactions and hash the transactions to a blog via proof of work. Satoshi then goes on to describe orphan blocks where miners find blocks at the same time. And then basically other miners receive one of the two blocks. Whatever block they get first, they start working on. And then whoever finds a block based on the block that they received, whoever first finds a block... If it's not with one of the two blogs, like the one of the two blogs that was found at the same time will just get orphaned. And then whoever was working on the orphan block will just get the longest chain and stop working on that orphan block. And the incentive is to mine and secure the network is people receive a block reward. It started at 50 Bitcoins and it's halved all the way to 12.5 Bitcoins now. And it's going to have again, I believe, like maybe in two years or less. And this gives miners the incentive to secure the network because they get money for doing it. And this incentive prevents 51% attacks, since if someone who amasses enough hash power to attack the network, like, they would be receiving... Someone who actually is able to do a 51% attack on Bitcoin would be receiving most of the new coins minted, which is a lot of coins even now after two halvings. And it wouldn't make any sense for them just to collect... Like, it makes more sense for them to collect the new coins rather than to attack the entire network. It's nonsensical to double spend because they'd make way less money double spending. Maybe they're just a bad actor and really evil. That's possible. But Satoshi doesn't think it's likely. Even someone that's really evil likes money. So so Satoshi planned for that. And Satoshi also planned for the far future where block rewards drop to zero because it's having and having and having. But it's going to drop to zero. Like, I think it's in the year 2140. And he says transaction fees will be the mining reward by then. And I think Satoshi was like a time traveler or something. I mean, that's speculation. But he knew Bitcoin was going to get really valuable. And he knew just a little bit of transaction fees would be enough to keep the miners happy. Like, even now... I think if it was all transaction fees and no block reward, the miners would still be having a really high hash rate, even at these price levels. And then Satoshi talks about how he's compressed and reclaimed disk space. So the Bitcoin transactions are hashed into a Merkle tree and only the root is included in a block hash. So they take the root of a Merkle tree and include it in the block hash. And then the older transactions can be pruned from the Merkle tree once it's buried under enough new blocks. And this compacts older blocks by discarding the spent transactions while still preserving the block's hash and therefore the continuity of the blockchain. And Satoshi correctly predicts that due to Moore's law, where like computer processing power and storage gets ever bigger, that Bitcoin won't have a problem like having enough nodes and being decentralized. And, and like I'm I'm not supposed to talk about Bitcoin Cash, but that's why there there's a lot of controversy. Like they're trying to increase their block sizes. Like they already did thirty two megabytes and it's gonna be hundred and twenty eight megabytes on one of the forks, so the more you increase the size of the blocks, the more likely it is like it'll outpace Moore's law, and then there's a problem. Like there'll probably only be like a hundred nodes in the world that can handle the the chain size. But let's not go into that. And then Satoshi explains how there's simplified pair payment verification, where you don't have to run a full node to verify payments. Technically, uh, users only need a copy of the block headers, and this can be obtained by querying the nodes. And then the user then obtains the Merkle branch and links the transaction to the block it is in. So that's like using the block explorer. The Merkle branch is actually the transaction ID. You punch it into the block explorer, and then you watch that block explorer. And if you could trust the block explorer, you know, you don't need to run a full node to see that your transaction went through. But Sertoshi says don't do this if you're running a business. Just run a full node. But even businesses nowadays, they don't even want to run a full node. It's like a lot harder than just using a blockchain.com wallet or something. 
But he said if someone uses simplified payment verification, they should also have, like, an alert system. So if someone starts doubles, like, 51% attacking the network, like, a 51% attack starts with an invalid blocks being generated, and that can be seen. So when invalid blocks are being generated, when the first one happens, it'll be broadcast to the network, and anyone using simplified payment verification can check if a transaction they received is in the invalid block. Because if it is, then that means they're about to be double spent. So, I don't think that system's in place, though. Like, everyone's just assuming that's not going to happen, and that's probably true. And then Satoshi talks about combining and splitting value in the next section of the Bitcoin white paper. So, transactions contain multiple inputs and outputs to allow Bitcoin to be split and combined instead of sending, like, one Satoshi in each transaction. Which could be done, but it would be ridiculously unscalable. And so sometimes there's just one input, but there could be many inputs, depending on the size of the inputs relative to the outputs. And there are at most two outputs, the sent transaction and the change coming back. And uh, sometimes there's no change if, like, the amount you send is the amount you have. And then Satoshi talks about privacy. According to Satoshi, uh, public keys can be kept private, and this isn't done in real Bitcoin. So he says, like, you can keep the public keys private. And he explains how this would be similar to how stock platforms show, like, the time and the size of the trades, but not who sent them. But this has not been implemented. Uh, all the public keys are, like, available on the Block Explorer. So, but Satoshi does suggest for privacy purposes to make a new wallet uh, with a new public key and a new private key every time you send a Bitcoin transaction, every time you receive one. And sites like blockchain.com have implemented that because it makes it a lot safer and one thing, it has to do with 51% attacks, because one method of attack is the attacker prepares a blockchain based on your wallet address, and they double spend once their blockchain's already ready to go. But if you change your wallet address every time they don't know what your wallet address will be, and you have a new key pair, then they have to like start the double 51% attack at the moment they receive your address, or something like that, and it's a lot harder. Of course, nothing can stop a 51% attack if they have 51% of the Bitcoin money hash rate, or maybe a little more. But 51%, like, it should, over time, eventually lead to a double spend. That's very hard to get. By the time someone was able to do an attack, they would have earned so much Bitcoin. Why would they be so greedy that they would need to, like, attack? So basically, what we have here, this now the conclusions. It started with the concept of an electronic coin with digital signatures, which proves ownership, and that wasn't new. But then it drastically improves on this concept of providing a solution for double spends. And one important point about the Bitcoin network is it's simple and decentralized, so we have all these nodes, there's no single point of failure, nodes can leave and come back as they will, and they do not have to be identified to function, so it's an anonymous, secure, and decentralized system, it's a new, completely modern and futuristic form of money. And this is where all cryptocurrency started, right here with the Bitcoin white paper, by Satoshi Nakamoto on Halloween 2008, and then he launched it by 2009. And... Even the references are filled with gold for this paper. So the references, he references B-Money and Hashcast, the predecessors, that did not solve the double spend problem and didn't succeed. But without them, Satoshi might not have made Bitcoin. And then there's references to papers involving timestamps, and that's essential to solve the double spend problem. And then there's a couple of references about cryptography, like public key crypto systems and secure names for bit strings. And then finally, he referenced one paper on statistical analysis to see if double spend attacks would happen. He's statistical analysis for that. So that's all we have for you today. The Bitcoin white paper. That's more than enough, isn't it? What started the entire thing? The genesis of Bitcoin. 
Come back tomorrow for another exciting episode. Go to BitcoinNews.com 24-7 for Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency news. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out.